your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. 608-785-7914. Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald's going to join me in 30 minutes. The bottom half of the hour, he's a Mayo doctor. We're going to talk about hmm, probably COVID. We've got questions for him? Let me know. Shoot me a text. 608-785-7914. I've got questions for him. i got a whole list. But I'm sure you guys have better ones, or at least different ones, probably some different ones. Um, school resource officer program on the line tonight. Lacrosse school board meeting, I believe, begins at 6 o'clock right after the show. If you're interested in that, go Google the school board, lacrosse school board, and you can find the link to watch that meeting. The superintendent is going to... Uh, put out his recommendation and then the school board I think will decide and um, before we get into that though my friend posted on Facebook we're getting into we're getting close here right we're getting close to Thanksgiving next week and more importantly Black Friday right uh, we're getting close to Thanksgiving and and she put maybe her most popular Facebook post ever I think that's what she said and she posted all right people I don't like it at all but a poll on tater tot hot dish she called it hot dish, but her, you know, right away I cringed. I'm like, oh, hot dish. But she says she she added, we are also not debating hot dish versus casserole because I'm going casserole there. Uh, she goes, uh, next the, the whole point of this tater tots, tater tot casserole. I'm saying uh, tater tots on the bottom or tater tots on the top. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Let me know. If you guys think the tater tots and tater tot casserole slash hot dish should go on the bottom or top, I automatically go top. I've never made tater tot casserole, but I've definitely ate my fair share of it, and I'm going top. I don't, I don't even understand why people would put the tater tots on the bottom. That doesn't make any sense. First of all, if you're doing the dishes, all the tater tots are going to burn at the bottom. I feel like the the worst part of that would be trying to wash that pan after it comes out of the oven, and the tater tots. Are they they're they're like the the sprinkling on on cake on the top right like so so you put that stuff on the top not the bottom and it just it's ludicrous to think that you would I mean you I I would argue you could do top and bottom because why wouldn't you depends on how big your dish is uh, we'll go to the phones caller who's this this is number three is this a new cooking show on Monday nights yeah it's a uh, uh, Cooley Region cooks Monday. So you got. Do you have all we a, need is another cooking show, and I'm going to break my new radio. Do you have? Have you had tater tot casserole? Because I need your opinion here before you you get into what you want to talk about. Nothing to know about, but I, I sold thousands and thousands of pounds of tater tots in my day, but I never cooked the damn thing. You've never had tater tot casserole? I didn't say you needed to cook it. Well, I don't know. We got more important things to worry about than tater tots. <laughs> Are you kidding? We're we're ten days out from Thanksgiving. This is a big hot topic. People need to know when they're heading to their Thanksgiving dinners that we're not actually supposed to head to anymore because of a virus. That's what I was going to say. Oh, hey, one thing: you had some guy on your show last Thursday. Yeah, the lacrosse teachers union president and Spanish well, teacher at Central High School. A guy called me up and wanted to know if you changed tobacco because. At the beginning of the show, you said the guy was a basketball player. Um, yeah, his name's John Havlicek. 
Well, he died. <laughs> yeah, that was the joke. Well, that wasn't the joke, but I, but, but well, I. What, the guy was on his way home to Coon Valley, and his radio phased out on him. Yeah. And he called me up, and he says, "Number three, I think that friend of yours, Rick Solom, is different, smoking different weed. <laughs> he thinks this guy is a basketball player, and the guy died a year ago." Yeah, he died in April of 2019. I mentioned that when I was bringing. I mean, that was a whole part of the conversation was the fact that he's back from the dead. He didn't hear that part, and I don't know a basketball player from a. A piano player. Well, John Havlicek. Well, anyway, John Havlicek. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down and have something to eat. All right. That sounds, uh, hopefully you're doing that at home. Everyone just eat at home. <laughs> Except on Thanksgiving, then eat in quarantine. At, quarantine at home. Uh, yeah, John Havlicek, the uh, lacrosse cool, schools teachers union president and longtime Spanish teacher, also has the same name as a famous Boston Celtic. All-time leading Celtic scorer, John Havlicek. That was the joke. Uh, I'm sorry that the guy headed to Coon Valley lost reception and maybe didn't hear the rest of that joke. But all right, I'm getting uh, I'm getting a text from Al here, Al two, Al two, bot on Tater Tot casserole. This is we need to know. I need more text, top or bottom. Where are we putting the tater tots? Al says uh, the bottom soggy, the top crunchy. Take your pick. Soggy just that sounds like the all time worst. Soggy tater tots. Mm, I don't know if I want that. I think maybe what you're, I think what you're saying is just regular, you know, I don't know, soggy on the bottom. That just sounds like we're not putting tater tots on the bottom. Uh, I don't know. I'm getting a text that says, who is Kevin Fitzgerald? I'm getting a calendar invite from him. Maybe I put on my calendar a public meeting with Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, the male family medicine doctor that's going to be on the show, Andrew. I'm not really sure, but uh, if so, everyone in my calendar sees that I'm going to have Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald on at 535 tonight, so tune in. Maybe do that. Uh, 608-785-7914. I'm sad, Judy, that you didn't call and give me your opinion. Uh, You did do the poll. You've had 132 comments on your Facebook post. Maybe 133 now. Um, Very... I think the consensus was tater tot casserole slash hot dish go the tater tots go on the top, but uh, we didn't get a final ruling. You could text me though. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I want to talk about the school resource officer program. If you want to, if you have an opinion on that, that you don't want to give to the school board, because I think they're going to decide this thing tonight. And if you remember our conversation with the mayor, not, not with the mayor, the, the conversation the mayor had during one of those public meetings, uh, you know, they have like 17 of those a month, and I forget which one off the top of my head, but uh, the mayor said it's probably all but done. And um, do you agree with that or not? All right, we're going to take a quick break. Brad's doing the news. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, Tater Tot Talk PM, 608-785-7914. Before we get to those boring conversations about school resource officers and COVID-19, global pandemics, shutting down the entire country, uh, I do. I am getting some texts here. Carl says, nobody in their right mind puts tater tots on the bottom. And Candace says, tots on top unless being reheated, then mix it up. And uh, another texter from Owatonna says, Rick, they need to be on the top. And Judy, who had the Facebook post, Judy, could you 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 put pose this question on social media? You went out on a limb to do this. 
what was the cons- <laughs> what was the consensus out of your 130 comments? It's probably 900 percent more comments than you've ever had on a Facebook post, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this is I'm old, so I'm on Facebook. You know, and and yeah, for me, this is like viral. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think maybe like we did have quite a few people say both. You know, bottom and top, but I think maybe like one other person, and I think it might have even been my daughter that said bottom. Um, so yeah, it was. I, I'm going to go with like 98 um, percent, not on the bottom. Well, you if know? you had a hundred, <laughs> if you had about a hundred comments and 98 percent not on the bottom, and your daughter was one of them, you said your husband was another one, not that he posted on Facebook. Well, he's the one, <laughs> right? He's the one who does it. It's like I don't know. I mean, I've never made tater tot hot dish in my life i don't like it or casserole whatever you want to call it i yeah. really don't care um i know some people are really passionate about that hot dish versus casserole i'm not well that's going to be um, tomorrow this is going to be the 10 days of thanksgiving talk and i'm going to start every show with uh with a with- hot topic like this and tomorrow <laughs> will be hot dish versus casserole it should, it should be but no i i've evidently never even watched him make it because i just realized for the first time you know, on the day of that post, and we've been married for 25 years, that he puts the tater tots on the bottom. And I was like, what are you doing? That is, that's disgusting. And so I, he looked at me like it was crazy. So I thought, well, maybe I'm the one who's crazy. Let me find out. So I went to the, you know, to the source where all the experts were Facebook. And, and let me tell you, it blew up and it was quite refreshing. Um, I think I had quite a variety of friends. And let me tell you, it's all, uh, every political spectrum. <laughs> And so it was quite refreshing to see everybody coming together to uh, have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, we've counted all the votes, and it's 90, 98% tots on the top. Yeah, or, or both. Or, or both. Or both. Did, did weigh in and say you could put it both, like sandwich that. Yeah, sandwich and, that, you know, uh, cream of mushroom soup mixed with hamburger and, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I actually made my mom a couple of months ago make tater tot casserole for the first she had never made it either but what i want to know too is is it harder to wash that dish with the tater tots on the bottom or the rest of the junk on the bottom that's the next question yeah i think he's just misprayed a lot with with like cooking spray or something because uh, i don't know i don't i don't wash that dish i don't make it Unfortunately, I don't think he's listening or we'd have him weigh in. Oh, Sorry, right. Good thing he's not in the other room. All right, Judy, thanks. I have other callers on this, so I'm going to get to those. Thanks for, for calling, though. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Ron's been waiting on hold. Ron, go ahead. Uh, first of all, let's go. Let's get your tater tot hot take, Ron. What do you think? I'll give you that second. I want to mention something on John Havlicek. <laughs> no, let, no, I want your fan. no, Ron. I want your tater tot hot take first, and then I'll explain Havlicek in a second. Tater tots are on the top. I don't know who's ignorant to pull them on the bottom. Unless you're some good for nothing Cub Brewer twin Red Sox or Royal idiot. <laughs> okay, tater tots on the top. All right, so yeah, so last I'll I'll just say last Thursday. Oh no, he doesn't want to talk about John Havlicek. All right, I guess not. Ron, I was all ready to take your uh, your hot take on John Havlicek. All right, Eric from Sparta. Everybody's been waiting to hear Eric from Sparta's opinion. Tater tot casserole, tater tots on the top or the bottom, Eric? Well, number one, there's a lot of things going on in the world today. And for you- all right, so never mind. I, I don't care what's going on in the world today, Eric. I just don't care. I just wanted to know your opinion and just couldn't do it. 
Uh, Fred's texting in, true tater tot dish recipe as follows. <laughs> Number one layer of on bottom. Layer of tater tots on bottom. Number one in the middle and one on the top. Crisp layer. Oh, tr- oh triple layer. Free Speech Fred says uh, three layers of tater tots. So what goes in between the layers of tater tots? Like beans and, and cream of mushroom or something? I guess I don't even know. I don't even know what else goes on there. Candace is texting, be nice to Eric. Well, I wanted, like I asked Ron, I wanted the hot take on tater tot casserole first before I got to whatever else Eric wanted to rant about, but he didn't listen. Um, All right, we'll move on. People can still text me 608-785-7914 or call in with your tater tot take. Tater tot take. How about that? We'll do it that way. And yeah, this would be fun, right? We could do every day, every the first couple of minutes of every show, we could do a, a different uh, controversial cooking uh, segment leading up to Thanksgiving dinners that we can't, since we can't have Thanksgiving dinners with our families this year, uh, we could at least talk about the controversies that wouldn't happen. Um, we could also do the regular show. That's always the controversies that happen at Thanksgiving with your, your uncle or your, your, uh, your kids clashing with your parents, right? Uh, Phil says, uh, save French green bean casserole for the day before Thanksgiving. Yes, that's been, that was a hot, to- that is a hot topic every day before Thanksgiving. Uh, Mitch and I have argued often about green, ke- green bean casserole. I like, my mom makes green bean casserole. I like it. I, maybe I just like those cooked onions that, that, cause I just douse the top with those, those like fried onions or whatever those are. It's like my favorite thing. Um, all right, in about a in about a half hour, well, need a little more. Thirty five minutes. This the uh, lacrosse school board's going to meet. They're going to get their recommendation from lacrosse school superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel on whether or not he is going to recommend or de-recommend the the school resource officer program. Uh, I see we have a <laughs> the SRO program uh, will continue in lacrosse's schools. Uh, it's been at the schools for 30 years in some capacity. You know, it's multiple officers now at multiple schools, and then a DARE officer, I think, kind of bounces from school to school. And that might be that might be gone. From, from everything that we've heard leading up to this, it sounds like this is going to be, this, this is going to be acts. And it's going to hurt the city, I think, in terms of financials, because the uh, school district was paying the city $250,000 a year. Uh, this contract ends in June. They were paying the city. So that's $250,000 the city isn't going to get. I don't, you know, that's whether or not you want to pretend that's a lot of money or a little bit of money. Um, it's a quarter million dollars. And uh, so the police aren't getting a quarter million dollars, right? And and uh, the mayor said, what was the story I wrote? September 29th. So two months ago, the mayor was in with a, it was a public briefing. It was... Um, the Neighborhood Revitalization Commission meeting. And Mayor Tim Cabot said, if I were a betting person, I would be betting that the SRO program is going to go away or mostly go away. Maybe there will be some modification to it, but I think it's significantly going to change. And we had uh, a couple of different um, other public briefings, public forums even, on whether this thing would continue. And there there was one where 17 people, 17 public comments about the school resource officer program and 16 of those people said mm, get rid of it we don't want it How, you know in whatever capacity you want to call that that forum happened October 13th or October 12th 
And yeah, it was, you know, there was, there was one, one lady who was very thought out. She had a very thought out response on, on where, where we could kind of analyze what the school resource officers do and, 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 you know, maybe these, maybe people that are evaluating them would, would kind of shadow them or, or talk to them, but it's kind of hard. It's, it's a little bit difficult to do that right now since, uh, you know, children aren't in lacrosse schools or really are there, are there kids in any schools around here at this moment? I think most schools have gone virtual. So, um, yeah, that's it's So it sounds like, you know, Engel will probably the superintendent, Dr. Aaron Engel will probably make his recommendation that the school resource officer program end and the school board will likely vote that it ends. And the question then would be, does it end immediately? Which doesn't really matter because kids aren't in schools right now anyway, right? Will they even be in schools by June? Who knows? Uh, I guess we could ask Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald uh, in about 15 minutes, whether, or uh, not 15 minutes, about 10 minutes, whether kids will be in school by before summer. The whole COVID thing, we'll see. Vaccine, maybe. Um, but but regardless, it's it's I, I'm, the writing's probably on the wall that this is going to end. Uh, caller, who is this? Hi, this is Kevin Fitzgerald calling in. Oh, hey, Kevin. We're just, uh, we're talking about you behind your back. I don't know if you heard that. Um, we oh, were... my ears were burning. <laughs> well, you called a little bit early, but that's all right. We could talk to you for two minutes before you go to break. I just, I posed this question and I thought, hey, we can ask Kevin Fitzgerald about it. So uh, you don't have to get into the controversy of whether the lacrosse school district is going to end the SRO program, the school resource officer program. But we don't sure. have, we don't have children in schools right now. Do you do you foresee a path where kids, you know, you know, in on all schools, like I know the the smaller kids, the younger kids would maybe be in school before anyone else, but by by the end of the school year, by summer, will do you think we'll have either in in, in a vaccine capacity or just like a the cases severely drop where kids could safely be in schools, uh, you know, we can have kids in schools safely for everyone else. Yeah, so I, 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 hopefully with the vaccine coming, um, we'll have less people who will contract actual illness, and, and those people who get it would have a milder case. Um, I think we do need to have, you know, again, as the school districts have their criteria for getting kids into school, um, we need to have fewer cases in the community, and we need to have a little bit less community spread. Um, personally, I, you know, I think it's a priority to get these kids uh, back to school, if you talk about essential functions in our community, you know, healthcare is essential and pharmacy is essential and groceries are essential. But I think educating our kids is right up with all those essential services. And I think we're doing many things in our community that I would deem not essential, but I think educating our kids would be essential. We have to do it safely. We have to make sure that, you know, that uh, especially the staff and the teachers are, are protected and safe. But it really is a priority to get those kids back to school. The timeline, though, do you do you foresee this even, you know, I, whether it's vaccine or whether cases drop severely, uh, second semester, like lacrosse schools is postponed having kids in school till at least January 18th, I believe is the date. That would be second semester. Then they're going to start reevaluating. And up until now, they've been postponing two weeks out, two weeks out. Uh, but but yeah. J- January, February, you know, we have this whole second semester. Will kids be in school in, in five, four or five months? You know, it, I hope so. You know, I, it, again, if, if we had a crystal ball, you know, we would have been we would avoid a lot of things this year. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to have a you know kind of a 
continuation of what we're doing right now as far as the numbers we're seeing for the next especially four to six weeks. That'll get us pretty, you know, into, around Christmas. Um, I'm hoping things will taper off over that period or shortly thereafter. I am hopeful that we can uh, get kids back to school in the second semester. I, I don't see it probably for the rest of this semester. Sure. Uh, all right, Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, hold on tight. We're going to get to you. We're going we're gonna to ask you more questions. If you got questions for him, 608-785-7914, shoot me a text. Uh, we got Scott's comment coming up. Brad doing the news. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. On the phone with me now, he's been, we've been uh, chatting away during the break here. Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, he's practice, uh, practicing family medicine. That's all your bio says on the Mayo website, Kevin. Yep, I'm a family medicine doctor for Mayo Clinic. Been doing that for, gosh, darn near 25 years. Um, I have a couple other administrative things that I don't uh, advertise quite as much. <laughs> okay. And uh, first of all, what everyone wants to know, coming from the doctor's perspective, tater tot casserole, tater tots on the top or the bottom? Yeah, so I grew up in South Dakota, so I'm uh, well-versed in hot dish. <laughs> Clearly tater tots on the top because they have to be crispy. Okay, and then we can just get this your opinion here too. So you're going hot dish versus casserole. You're saying it's a hot dish. It's hot dish. Okay, those are the two most important questions everyone wanted to know. <laughs> but we could talk about this uh, this whole COVID thing too. Is you know you're one of the two doctors that comes on most of the public briefings with the La Crosse County Health Department, part of the Cooley COVID nineteen collaborative. And um, I guess you know if when I'm when I see those updates on Wednesday, the the most striking number I saw last Wednesday was 19.7 people are being hospitalized per day the past week. So that was, you know, a week and a half or so ago. Um, how are hospitals able to handle, that seems like a lot. How, like, are you just converting wings of the hospital to, into COVID quarantine areas? Or, um, because 20 seems like way too many. Yeah, it's a lot. And, and I know that um, our partners over at Gunderson have had many, many admissions, and they have uh, a lot of inpatients as well. So we have converted um, entire floors over to taking care of COVID patients, things that would otherwise have taken care of, you know, uh, outpatient or, you know, people overnight stays. Um, and uh, our surgical uh, floor is now a COVID floor, and we've kind of displaced those things to other places. Um, and I think what happens when you have this many admissions uh, for both health systems is uh, you only have a finite amount of, uh, of building space and facilities, and you only have a finite amount of staff. So if those staff are pulled to do COVID issues, you have to um, you have to take that resource from something. So right now the debate is, you know, do you pull back on some of the other, you know, elective surgeries and other cases, at least temporarily, why, you know, to make sure you have enough staff to take care of the sick people. This is kind of a weird, not, I don't know if it's, well, maybe it's selfish, but I think a lot of people are going through this. Everyone has health insurance, everyone hits their deductible, and then they try to like uh, cram in whatever it is they need through the hospitals, you know, or dentists too. That way, uh, do you? It, it, that's got to be tough because you're now denying people um, some of these services when you know once their their health insurance is going to reset the next year and their deductible is going to reset. They want. Are you seeing a lot of that? Are you having to turn people away that want you know these uh, you call them elective surgeries uh, where where you know they're essentially free or, or or covered by insurance at this point and they won't be in a couple of months. Yeah, you know, to date, our capacity for some of the elective surgeries is just on the kind of teetering on the border of being affected. Um, 
in other places in the Midwest, I know that they've shut down uh, really most, if not all of that. And again, we want to take care of people, you know, when they want to be taken care of. Um, certainly, want to we want to make sure that uh, people are coming in for cancer surgeries and you know other things that you know there may be a you know negative effect if you put it off. We we don't want to do that. Um, but we're getting in that place right now where some of those things are not going to be able to be done just because we don't have the resources. Yeah, and then looking at the the Cooley COVID nineteen collaborative website, uh, obviously the, I said nineteen point seven. The the hospitalization rate is nineteen point six actually, and that that'll update on Wednesday. Hopefully, it goes down. Uh, COVID care capacity. It's always in. Well, it's not always in yellow, but it's in yellow now. It was in yellow last yeah. or two weeks ago when you're adding seven. I think uh, six or seven people a day. It was still in yellow. So what is it still in yellow and not in red? Just simply because you can still convert floors to COVID patients. Correct. We still have facilities to take care of more COVID, but but the you know the the spinoff of that is then we have less capacity to take care of everything else. So the more we get focused on just this, um, you know, other things suffer. When we're truly in the red, you know, just really things have gotten to where we're completely overwhelmed. It's when it uh, overruns the entire facility, and we just literally don't have the facilities or staff. Or the other thing that happens in both health systems is our staff members are getting exposed to this out in the community. You know, one of their family members brings it home, and then they have to quarantine for, for 14 days or, you know, whatever their period of time is. And then we don't have the staff to run some of our facilities that we have. And that, that's a real concern for both health systems. Yeah, I guess I'm always thinking like the physical structure and the amount of room you have in the hospital. But if you, uh, the, the flip side of that is, yeah, uh, all our staff has COVID and is quarantining at home. So we don't have anyone here to take care of you. Yep. And that's a real issue. And I think both health systems are dealing with that right now. Uh, we're speaking with Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald. He uh, practices family medicine at Mayo here in La Crosse. Uh, so during these health briefings, you you often have uh, some of the better stories. So a, a lot of the times the, 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 the briefings get a little dull, I will say. But then Kevin comes in and he talks about his daughter having to be quarantined in college. That happened really early. And then you've had a couple of other stories that, that have really, you know, they, the, people can relate to you and be like, oh, yeah, see, everybody's going through this thing, even doctors. Um, can, do you have any other stories where you've had to maybe personally deal with COVID uh, outside of, of the, the clinic? No, I, you know, I don't think I've had any, certainly any entertaining stories. A lot of what we're dealing with right now in the outpatient is, you know, just, just trying to tell people what to do around the holidays. And, and, and again, it's, it's a really tough issue. You know, holidays are important. You, we have people at a certain stage of life that may not have, you know, 20 more Thanksgivings left, and, and you miss your family, people are isolated. It's really caused a major problem. Um, but the flip side of that is if you're having these huge family gatherings, the chances that they will spread the virus right now, especially at the levels we're seeing in our community, are pretty high. Yeah, so that's a lot of what I'm dealing with. That is really not a good entertaining story, but, no. <laughs> it's, but it's a lot of what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and when we were talking before, before the break, we talked about you know whether or not students will get back into the classroom, and nobody disagrees with the fact that it's we're going to be better off when students are in the classroom. But I feel like we're we're probably I don't I don't I just feel like a lot of people are going to go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and when when we come back from those holidays. Uh, we're we're not going to see the case numbers go down. I mean, are you just anticipating that? Because I don't think uh, I don't think anyone's going to be as disciplined as you. Yeah, I, I agree. I, again, anytime you have things that bring people together, which you know, in principle, I, you know, we're we're all for this virus. It's an opportunity for the virus to spread. 
and it, and it could be Thanksgiving dinner. It could be deer camp. Uh, you know, again, I'm at very little risk if I go deer hunting and I'm sitting in my tree stand. I'm socially isolated from everybody. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I go back to deer camp with, um, you know, a dozen guys from you know, three different towns, you know, and five different families, that's going to be dangerous. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be a place where these things can spread. And, um, you know, I, I, that, those are the things we really do worry about that are happening this time of year. Yeah, you guys can go hunting, and then you guys can maybe make a fire outside, wear your face mask still, your, your like, outdoor cold gear face mask, and then when that's all done, then go home. Don't go back to the cabin. Everyone just go back to their, their homes. That's, that's how deer hunting needs to happen right now, huh? I think that would be a really good plan. You know, again, I think socially distancing outside around a campground is probably, or campfire is a really good idea. Uh, but it's when you're indoors and you're close to people and you're playing cards and doing all those things that, you know, all of us like to do that I think is pretty risky. Yeah, and the whole drinking thing and then people get a little loose with their mask if they're indoors. I, that, that's always kind of a problem. I, I forgot to ask you, just, we were talking about hospitalizations and stuff like that. Um Typically, how long is somebody hospitalized? Is it a day? Is it is, is can you can you put an average on? Uh, you know, I have COVID. I have to go to the hospital. How long is someone typically there? Yeah, you know, I think you know it can be two or three days for the sicker patients. It's it's considerably longer than that. Um, some of the you know are more ill patients when they get into the hospital. They have to get uh, therapies um, that you get through IV. Um, so you hear about the remdesivir and you hear about you know, some of the steroid medications like Decadron and the antibody therapies, and those have to be done over a period of days. Um, the good news is some of the, especially remdesivir and the antibody therapies, we can do as an outpatient now. So if someone's well enough to go home, we wouldn't necessarily have to keep them in the hospital. Uh, our facility's been doing that. Uh, we started it last week, and uh, we now can do some of those therapies in the outpatient setting to open up some of the beds and uh, unload some of those inpatient staff so people don't have to stay for quite as long. But mildly ill or moderate, well, mildly ill patients don't go go into the hospital, but the moderately ill patients, usually three or five days, and really the severely ill patients are much longer. If someone ends up on a ventilator, they could be um, in the hospital for a very, very long time, weeks to even a month. All right, we're speaking with Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald from Mayo Clinic. He practices family medicine. Um, the, the, the big question here, everyone, everyone's kind of like anticipating a vaccine. And before we get into that, the idea that we wait for a vaccine or do we need, do we need to, the way the cases are just skyrocketing every day, it seems like a new record, although on the weekends it goes down, but do we need to have like a sweeping shutdown where just everybody shuts down for two weeks and, you know, this would take the government figuring that out. And then, uh, you know, from there on down, like, hey, what is the government going to do to help these people during a shutdown? And then we can actually shut down where, where people aren't left to, hung out to dry. Um, is, is that is that got to be the first step or, or can we hold out for a vaccine? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think anyone would recommend, um, you know, no rules and no recommendations until we get a vaccine. Because uh, what we're seeing is, you know, the case the spreads so quickly and, um so efficiently that by the time we get to an actual vaccine, uh, things could be so out of control that uh, we really have a more uh, more negative outcomes than we want. You know, I think the recommendations that that we put forward about masking and distancing uh, and avoiding those large groups, uh, I think is clearly what we should do right now. Personally, I, I don't I don't support. You know, really, when you when you talk about these issues, 
usually the, the answer is somewhere in the middle between shutting everything down and really not following any rules and just let the virus do what it's going to do. Uh, you know, personally, I think we, we should have a priority towards getting our kids back in school. If you, if you talk about an essential function, there's really nothing more essential than, than educating our kids. Now, can we put off club sports and, you know, high school sports and middle school sports and some of those other things until we get this under control? I'd recommend yes. I'd rather teach my kids uh, rather than have them uh, be able to do sports. That's just my bias. Yeah, but I think you know, following those rules to try to mitigate the spread of this until we get the vaccine, I think are really important. Yeah, we've seen there was a study some I can't remember exactly where, but it said high school sports don't spread the virus, and I'm like, well, that seemed like kind of a quick study. Do like it seemed like the sample size would be too small there. Yeah, I think if you ask the the county health folks, they would say that we have traced uh, uh, some outbreaks back to uh, some of the sporting events now, and um, you know, again, it's. It, it's hard to you know it's hard to decide whether it was actually the competition or the gathering around the competition um, but we have seen some spread from uh, some of the sports now now the good news is kids really under 18 do not get terribly ill with this but they spread it to the coaches and they spread it to the teachers and they spread it to the family members who really could get ill and that's what we're trying to prevent Right. Um, okay. So I don't. Do you look at the Wisconsin Department of Health? So they put out a, at two o'clock every day. They put out their little update that just shows you cases, hospitalizations. Do you, are you familiar with that? Yeah, I see it every week. Okay. Um, so every day they do that, and on Sunday, and Monday, the the everything is lower. And so I, I just have a couple of questions. So the the positives sure. today is forty three hundred hospitalizations, one hundred. Even the even the death count is lower, which I would I would say unless it's just is it just because counties aren't reporting this stuff over the weekend that these numbers are lower on Monday and and Sunday sometimes. That's a good question. I, you know, I think clearly the testing we test fewer people on the weekends. Yep, testing so is about down know, about five thousand. Positive rates will be less. Yeah. Now, the deaths shouldn't be affected by that. Now, when we report our deaths to um, to the state, sometimes those may not be, I don't know how the state works. I don't know if they really keep, you know, if they publish those through the weekend consistently. I don't know how they're staffed through the weekend. So I, that part of it I can't answer. Um, but I would expect the deaths to not be significantly different on any given day of the week. Yeah, because if you go, I'll just, I, I have a giant Excel document. So if I go to... Um, what month are we? November 8th. November 8th, 11 deaths, 17 deaths, then 60, 60, 60, 60, 50, and then today, 12. So it's always like that every every weekend. So I'm always kind of curious, like, why people just aren't dying on the weekends. But I imagine it's some kind of reporting uh, discrepancy. I would expect it's a reporting issue and that, you know, that, you know, maybe the state folks, you know, again, we've been dealing with this for six months. They're getting a little fatigued. They may not have the staffing quite on Saturday and Sunday quite what they have the rest of the week. Yeah, and the, the idea that I expect uh, all the numbers every day of the week, I need a break too, so I don't actually mind if they just said, you know what, we're not going to post the numbers on the weekend. We, we Let them know if you talk to them at the state. Um, yeah. I guess, and that, that was the last question I had for you before I let you go, uh, that, the idea that, uh, you know, we're all – we're all pretty fatigued from even, I think some people get sick of me talking about this thing, but it, it's important, obviously, and it's affecting our days, our lives every day. I can't play basketball at the Y. I'm really sad. Um, but healthcare yeah. worker fatigue, um, how, how, how tough is that? How rough is it for uh, healthcare workers right now? And is there a way to alleviate, alleviate that? Yeah, I, I think the healthcare fatigue is, is a real thing. And, you know, again, because we're so short, so short staffed, 
you know, our healthcare employees are not immune from this. So if we can have folks that will catch something in the community. We have family members of our healthcare workers that bring it home. You know, either those workers get ill or they have to quarantine, and then, then we're short-staffed covering what we really have to cover. So it really, really hurts the fatigue. If the community could do anything to decrease the the amount of spread with this until we get that vaccine, that would help us in healthcare immensely. You know, for have to even if you look at our uh, testing sites for both us and Gunderson, uh, those are staffed by people that would be doing otherwise, you know, other healthcare jobs. They're taken away from their regular job to go staff a COVID testing unit, and it makes it difficult for us, you know, do our regular work. So whatever we can do to slow the spread, decrease the spread. Um, until we get that vaccine, until we get to the other side of this, would be very much appreciated because we are getting a little fatigue in healthcare. All right, Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald from Mayo Clinic, thanks a lot for, for joining us. Yep, thank you. All right, we're going to take another quick break and wrap up. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes left here, just going to wrap up. Thanks a lot to Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald. For joining us, putting up with all these questions on COVID. And thanks for my friend Judy calling in and giving us the uh, tater tot casserole slash hot dish breakdown. Uh, you heard it from the doc too. Tater tots on top. I don't even, I don't think anyone said bottom really, except for the people that said top and bottom or the one guy that said triple layer. Somebody said triple layer. Uh, Eric from Sparta, go ahead. Yeah, I remember one name, uh, Dominion. It's a voter software company. Who is behind all this corruption? Right. Just doing his own show. Doing his own show on voter software. I don't know. May oh, you know what? Maybe he was talking about Tater Tot Casserole. I don't know. Maybe uh maybe that, that uh voter software company was doing a survey on Tater Tots and all the votes weren't getting counted. And we have to now do the hand count of the votes. We'll have to go find Judy's comments and hand tally who said top and who said bottom. She said ninety eight percent, but she might have been using a voting machine. And, you know, we can't trust those because they're machines. we got to trust the people that are counting them by hand because they're much more accurate, right? It's like uh, when, you, when you do a math equation with a calculator and you, you don't get it right. And you're, or you get the answer and you're just like, ah, I just don't trust this calculator. Let me do this math equation by hand because it's going to be much more accurate than what the computer showed me. I just can't trust what this computer says uh, for this, cal- <laughs> this calculation. Um, and the, I think the most interesting, just, I'm, I'm changing subjects. The most interesting conver- part of the conversation with Fitzgerald was, uh, was the idea of just, uh, just what's happening in the hospitals. Right. And, uh, you know, it sounded like three to five days, somebody that if you're hospitalized, you're going to be there three to five days. And you, you know, if you're going to get COVID and, and you, you think you'll probably be hospitalized, go get it now. Because your deductible is going to reset January 1st. Where we're at with health insurance is they get to reset your deductible January 1st. So then you're going to be paying your deductible all over again next year. And if you get COVID before the, the first of the year, you know, that's going to cost you a whole bunch more money. Because uh, we are living in a system where we have to pay for our being sick and uh, getting a virus. So get the, get the virus now. No, I'm just kidding. Don't get the virus. Just isolate and hold out. Don't do anything stupid like trying to get a virus. All right, that's all the time I have. Terrible advice there at the end. I'm sorry. Uh, We'll be back. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.